This is Captain Jeff, and welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. This week, we have three-time Happy Bait World Champion Tim O'Connor in the studio. Tim and I talk about the change and how fast change has been in 2020 and 2021. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode on the Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Patty O'Toole moved to Boston from Ireland, and he really missed his brother Liam. And uh, what he decided to do is he went to the bar, go figure, and he sits down, and the bartender says, what do you have? And he says, I need two shots of whiskey. The bartender looks around and goes, you expecting company? He goes, no, nope, just two shots of whiskey. So he pours it, drinks his two shots of whiskey, leaves. Next night, two shots of whiskey, pays, leaves. Does that for about three weeks, and finally the bartender says, hey, you know, why do you order two shots of whiskey and, and, and drink them at the same time? He goes, oh, I miss my brother Liam badly. I, I, he's back in the old country, but, but you know, I, 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 really, I really miss him something fitter. So I, I order a drink for him and a drink for me. And the bartender says, oh, fair enough. About a month goes by of this, and uh, Patty walks in, and he says, ah, Tom, just give me one shot of whiskey tonight. And as the bartender pours the whiskey, he's thinking, oh, no. He says, uh. Patty, oh no, I hope the unthinkable didn't happen to your brother. He goes, oh no, no, my brother's fine. I just gave up drinking. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> is it like like a like a joke that uh, is told through the family? It's like it's, inherited? Yes. Nice. Yeah. We, we got Italian I mean, jokes like that. Of course you do. Well, <laughs> the Italian jokes tell themselves. <laughs> Tim O'Connor. Three-time Happy Bay World Champion. Great joke, and thanks to the uh, thanks for being on the Real Guy Podcast. Thanks for inviting me, Jeff. It's been a while. I'm I'm glad to be back, and uh, happy to be here. So, Timmy, um, did you do any of that Boca Bash stuff this last weekend? Jeff, there is not an instrument that could measure how little I care about Boca Bash. So I'll take that as a no. That would be hell no. <laughs> What do you got against uh, Boca Bash? Uh, if I want, <laughs> if I want to go to the Columbus Day Ricotta, I'll go there. That's uh, the one. That's the Boca Bash. It's in Miami. Uh, it's, I mean, it's Boca Bash on steroids. Uh, just you know what? The thought of anchoring up in the middle of that zoo is. Uh, it's not my idea of fun. Hey, but to each his own. People that want to go to that, God love them. That's what I used to think. I used to be like, yeah, well, whatever, you know, that's what people are into or whatever. But that's when I thought about it as one sandbar that they did it in, in the Keys. I think it was like Holiday Isle or whatever. Well, they is, do it in, yeah, they do it in front of Holiday Isle. They also do it a little further south too. Um, gosh, I can't forget. What do they call it? White Marlin. Yeah, Marlin Beach. They do it everywhere Marlin now, Beach. which is my point. My point yeah. was when it was just one sandbar in the Keys – and I was like, oh, okay, that's where all the drunks go to blow off their steam or whatever. I was like, that's cool. But, dude, it has multiplied and duplicated almost as bad as the personal watercraft has. Wow. That's saying something. Well, think about it. You can't go more than, what, a mile yeah. in the intercoastal from anywhere from Boca because they do it in Boca, uh, Lake Boca. Then they do it in Lake Santa Barbara. Then they do it in... 
the front of the New River, which is the grossest thing ever. Then they do it at Whiskey Creek, which is naturally. Then they do it at Hullover, even though there are a couple little spots in between. And on and on and on. It's not right. just Holiday Isle anymore. And it, I got to tell you, it uh, it's uh, tough to swallow. Like, I never really thought of the boating community as that. Right. I could see both sides. You know, it's if it's fairly clean water and... Um, you know, you anchor up and you let your kids get in the water. Although it seems like most of the kids kind of stay in the boat and it's the grownups jumping in the water so that they can, you know, pretend they're at a Jimmy Buffett concert, you know, with a no, inner tube around them. No, they're drinking. all jumping in the water because they had so many beers. They're pissing themselves. <laughs> they're freaking pissing themselves, Timmy. Come on. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Then no wonder the kids aren't in the water with them. <laughs> Uh, true. true. But anyway, I, the whole the whole reason I bring that up is, um, I mean, things are changing, and things are changing fast. There, now that you bring it up, it does seem like more of those are popping up. I, you know, I'm still a little bent over the whole Lake Boca thing, and and to a lesser extent, the Hallover Sandbar, just because of how they hosed us during COVID. And caused they single handedly caused all the boat ramps to shut down. The, the municipalities closed the boat ramps because those boneheads decided that they were not going to social distance and we're going to raft up and meet up at uh, at the sandbars. So you know, guys like you and me who are just trying to get by over here and run trips, and we rely upon the boat ramps to you know bring in some revenue. They decided to just shut it down for us. That was nice of them, wasn't it? And you put that squarely on the sandbar, pissing on the water people. Well, the 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 counties and the municipalities justified their closing the boat ramps because of those rafting up parties and and the people on the sandbar. And and didn't you bring this up like when it was happening when it was a current event? I did. So this is kind of a grudge for you. It's not kind of. You're holding a grudge. Right. Yeah, so, welcome, Timmy. You know what you know what Irish Alzheimer's is, Jeff? No. We forget everything but grudges. <laughs> well, keep it up. If you're going to have a grudge, it's a heck of a batch to have the grudges on. It's those son of a bitches that closed the ramps down for the working people. Right. So, but again, hey, you know, people are getting out. They've got boats. They can't fish to save their lives, so they go to the sandbar to have fun. God love them. Uh, God love them, my ass, dude. I told you a long time ago, if you fish long enough, you learn to hate everybody. I'm still getting there. The, the thermometer hasn't gone all the way to the top yet. The mercury hasn't risen all the way to the top. It's getting there. <laughs> One day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. You, I'll get there. The other thing that um, – well, I want the audience to know that Timmy turned me on to uh, the Ben Shapiro show. And – Timmy and I would fish a lot together and we talk and bullshit a lot and spend that kind of time on the water together. Then um, I'm sure you experience the same. But anyway, Timmy and I, um, well, Timmy turned me on to the Ben Shapiro. And it's been a good podcast. I mean, you know, if you're into some political crap and you want to follow along, you might as well get the best you can. So uh, I usually pick a podcast. I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh and now. Since his passing, it's Ben Shapiro. Tim, were you a Rush fan also? I wouldn't call myself a Rush fan. I check in on him from time, you know, from time to time. The, 
you know, Rush Limbaugh, you had to take him with a grain of salt the size of your maritime, Jeff. So he uh, he was more entertainment that he was true analysis or, you know what I mean, true, truly cutting through the fog of the, the politics and the political game, which is fine. I mean, he carved out one hell of a niche and he was really the gorilla in that industry. And I think he set the table for many other radio personalities and for, you know, the folks that are on Fox news. Right. right? No, no, I think like um, the way I looked at it was um, he could make politics entertaining, which he did. Yeah. Which That's was really true. hard. Yep. And you know what? It, it, it was entertaining and he gave voice to a silent majority, you know, that most of America pretty much shared to a certain degree, you know, his conservative beliefs. It, it just, when you listen to radio stations or you, you know, turned on the news, even back then, right. When there really weren't too many cable stations or cable networks, right. right. Um, they, they basically leaned pretty far to the left. So there was a vacuum and rush filled the vacuum. And, you know, he really showed people that you could, you know, in the wake of the repeal of the fairness doctrine in 1987, I believe, um, he, he really opened the door for a whole new wave of, uh, of non-left folks to, uh, you know, to, to get the word out, to, to have their voices heard. But I will tell you the difference between Rush, Rush Limbaugh and Ben Shapiro, right? Ben Shapiro throws a lot of facts at you, a lot of data at you. Um, he is an amazingly smart guy. You very young guy. Well, young to guys like you and me, especially you, Jeff, you're old. So he, uh, he, he, you know, on his podcast, on his radio show, now he's syndicated and he's on the radio as well. He, he is rapid fire, man. He, um, he squeezes a lot of information into his podcasts and, uh, he's very cutting, but I'll tell you what, if, if you've listened to him on the radio or listen to him on a podcast, and then you pivot over to some of his uh, YouTube videos, and you see where he's got open Q and A's on university campuses. Right? He'll he'll give a speech, and then he'll open up to Q and A. Man, he is encyclopedic in a lot of the data that he can re- recall immediately to refute uh, a lot of these misguided impressions or arguments that some of these uh, hippies bring up to him. <laughs> you know, and, that, and that's that's the, that's the style that what. That, that you prefer, that you bank on, just makes you what? I mean, it's not so much a style. I like to surround myself with a lot of smart people. You know, there's a saying, if, if you find yourself being the smartest person in the room, find another room. I like that. I like that. I've heard that before. Yeah. I mean, uh, but he, uh, he's a very sharp, sharp guy and, uh, he backs up a lot of stuff with facts. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why, you know, he invites people from the other side of the aisle to get on his podcast or come on his, uh, you know, he does a, a one-on-one interview on the weekends and he invites people from the other side of the aisle to come on over and see if they can, you know, back up their claims. And of course they don't come. Yeah. They never come. Like I've been listening to the podcast and, you know, I always hear him call these people out. Not one of them. You'd think one of them would at least freaking get on the show with them. Well, I mean, how many of them have really have any game and really have the facts on their side? If you think about it, I mean, I don't want to delve too much into the political side of it, but 
you know, the left has to hide the football, right? When they're getting over on the public, when, when they want to get the public on their side, they are unable and no better than to tell the people what they're really doing versus the problem with the folks on the right is they're too transparent a lot of times. Right. And, uh, and then they get creamed. So, yeah, I mean, can you imagine a world where a buffoon like Pelosi or Schumer or AOC or Omar or Bernie Sanders or Biden, the walking meat puppet? Can you imagine any one of those knuckleheads sitting across a desk from uh, Ben Shapiro and really trying to you know, refute or support anything? It's impossible. They're, they're, they're morons. They don't got it. No, they don't. They don't got it. The, um, I don't know, the, the, the big problem I have, right, with, um, well, now Shapiro and before Rush, is people will lash out and actually hate the dude. Like, literally hate the guy. Of course. There's no, there's nothing that anybody could ever do politically whether you did it or it's just a view that would make me hate you. Yeah, but they go to they go to hate me immediately, right? I mean, there you know all of this talk of um, you know bringing down the temperature, right? And the, the country's too polarized. There, there's there's a lot of polarization to go around. I mean, both sides aren't really looking to you know find some middle ground. Um, that, you know, I didn't watch the Oscars, but I heard the quote from, what was it, Tyler Perry, who just said, hey, you know, how about we meet in the middle, which is pretty noble, and uh, we could use a little bit more of that. Um, I tend to believe that that folks that are conservative and a little more on the right are a little closer to the middle than uh, than, than most of these folks on the left. Well, it's the hate thing that, that I want to harp on. Because well, it's there's, the hate. there's nothing... I was always brought up to like you never even hardly supposed to use the word hate. Now hate is like uh, slang, you know, for you know a complete friggin' way of thinking. I just cannot believe that anybody in their right friggin' mind would get that upset at another human being for political beliefs. And now it's normal. And that's kind of like the theme of the podcast is like what I was talking about is things are changing. And that's one of the changes that just is, I don't know, man, makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, that's a widespread cultural change. I mean, they, they ratchet up the rhetoric pretty quickly now on both sides, it seems. And, um, you know, they're, they're, nobody, nobody wants to wait for the facts. No one wants to listen to the other person. I mean, you can disagree with someone's point of view, but there's still room for common courtesy and, and just being polite. I, I mean, you know, one thing that Ben Shapiro says, so for example, is, you know, some of these uh, people that aren't sure what gender they want to be, right? right? So, you know, Ben Shapiro, like many of us, doesn't necessarily agree with these people that are, you know, flip-flopping or want to be called it or they or what have you. However, if you're sitting at a dinner table with somebody who, you know, is is male but believes they're female, you know, to be polite, you address them as they want to be addressed, right? Correct. You can still have a meal with them or you can still be courteous to them. You can still, you know, they're still a person. Um, 
But, you know, that, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, that person sitting across the table can oppose their pronoun beliefs on me. So there's a difference, right? You can still disagree with their position, but still be courteous. And, and you, I think you'd agree. I mean, you find that there's a, a better exchange of ideas when people are civil than when they're barking. I don't know about you, but I can't recall the last time that someone was barking at me and yelling at me and calling my heritage into question that ever persuaded me to their argument. And at the end of the day, most of this most of this political stuff is about persuasion, persuasion, right? Well, you're trying you're trying to, you know, get someone to agree with your line of thinking. Right. And but you only do that by presenting it in a way that, hey, I didn't, you know, Jeff, I never thought of that angle. You're right. That's I need to think about that more. Instead of getting bludgeoned over the head with, well, you better you better toe the line or I'm just going to go ahead and tell Amazon Web Services to pull your website. You know? Right, right. So yeah. it ratchets up. The other big change that I see is the assumption that you believe what they believe or you agree with what they're going to tell you, which is very apparent on uh, TV like ESPN, yep. the NBA. Yep. Um, like they just don't even acknowledge anybody that doesn't quite think like them or act like them or buy into their horseshit. And it's blatant. Do you feel that? Oh, of course. You feel uh, it, but right? That's what that, yeah, but that's one reason why I don't, I don't watch much or any of ESPN. I certainly don't watch the NBA. Um, they're just a roving pack of hypocrites. But I like uh, the NBA, the game. I like the game. I like the heat. But I hate yeah, listening yeah, to listening to the pass. coverage on them on ESPN. You know what I mean? I, I got to tell you, Jeff, the, the, the NBA game and most of the pro sports in general are unwatchable. College is where it's at. But that's just a personal opinion. That is just a personal opinion. Because, you know, you know money talks. And those, of course. And those franchises, you know, are doing very well. And, they are. Um, it's just, no, they no, it's just crazy to me. Like they just, they just think everybody thinks the way they do. And they know for well, a fact that they don't. Well, they are doing pretty well, Jeff, but viewership is down on the NBA. Wasn't viewership just across the board down? Well, to a large degree, but the viewership of the NBA is down. All this, you know, all this sycophantic stuff that they're doing isn't really paying off. It's not. It's not going the way they thought it would, and they continue to alienate their audience. But they've got a lot of smart people working on it, so I guess they've got it figured out. But you know, you got a buffoon like LeBron James who needs to focus more on putting a round ball into a, a basket instead of opining and thinking that and, and trying to pretend that he's some sort of a thought leader on cultural issues. But yeah, the sports dude has changed. Like, why the heck does the sports dude think that they should give any type of political opinion or analysis on anything? There's, I've never heard a politician give any advice to anybody in the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball for that matter. So I, I don't know if you saw the UFC match that was held 
or the, the roster of fights that was held in Jacksonville over the weekend. And uh, that was a sold-out venue, right? Um, Dana White, he was very, you know, Dana White's outspoken. He's no saint, right? But he said something that was very telling. He said, you know what? People watch sports as a diversion. People watch sports to escape from all of the overheated political discussion and all the cultural stuff and everything that's going on. When someone like LeBron James decides that he's going to weigh in on these issues or Colin Kaepernick or these other guys, all you're doing is alienating a large group of people who are watching you play a sport. They want to see you throw a football to the guy in your uniform or you know, they want to see five of you run down the court and play basketball. You know, they don't tune in to hear, you know, LeBron James make silly statements, ill-informed statements about, you know, police and all the other stuff. So, you know, but Dana White is dead on about that. Yeah, he's right about it. But where do these athletes and these guys from Hollywood – where do they come off or do they just know that nobody really gives a shit what they think, but they have such a huge megaphone that they're just going to bat people over the head with it? Is that the theory? Well, well, that's the thing, right? They've got the megaphone. Yeah. And they can't help but use it. You know, just because you can weigh in on a matter doesn't mean that you should weigh in on a matter. It's kind, of like, I, I, kind of like the karaoke dude that just won't stop. It's like, all right, that one song, okay. And then they just keep going. Yeah. How many times can you sing Roxanne at a key? <laughs> before you just have to pull the plug on the machine. But no, I mean, it. they, you know, they feel, hey, all these athletes, Jeff, if you're making $500 million a year to play a sport, you probably think that the world cares what you think about stuff. So, and we live in a world of instant gratification and instant uh, communication and I guess, I guess LeBron. I guess LeBron James and people like him think that people are hanging on his every word. So they, I, I'm not one of them. Um, I think he needs to stay in his lane. Now, is he entitled to his opinion about what's going on? Absolutely, we all do. This is a free country, and he's free to spout out about whatever he wants. I may not agree with what he says, but I'll defend his right to say it. But, Mr. Constitutional Lawyer over here. Yes. <laughs> Hang them high. I don't know. Things are just changing awfully fast. One of the things that are changing on a positive note, more fly fishing this summer. Amen, brother. I don't care. I don't care what side of the aisle you are on. You know, catching tarpon on fly, that bridges the political divide. Everyone can get into that. I'm looking forward to doing that as well, Jeff. I'm looking forward to exploring some new lights that are out there and um, getting yelled at by some homeowners and um, all kinds of good stuff. Getting my boat rolled into the seawall because of the two to three foot wakes that are pounding through. It's, it's a grand adventure. That would be from the trash that was hanging out at the Boca Bash, which was the name of the last episode that I just recorded earlier today with Captain Norm. Okay. How do you like that? Got a little ring to it? It has a great ring to it. It's, I mean, I, you and I discussed this the other day. There's a reason why I'm never running wide open at night. You, you just don't know what kind of stuff's in the water. 
in the ditch. We can elaborate on that because people don't know what's in there. I mean, it could be anything in there from like a two by four, a piling, a Yeti Part cooler. of a dock, right. a, 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 you know, two palm fronds that, you know, there's so much stuff sitting in the intercoastal just waiting to rip the wheel off your lower unit. And, and at night, uh, again, you and I are getting a little bit older. Maybe we're being a little more cautious, but I just don't see the upside to blasting up and down the ditch wide open at night when you can't see what's in front of you. Well, and, we, uh, you never it's had dangerous. A, no, an accident like that, you know, years ago would have been, you know, kind of like a freak accident, you would call it. But an accident like that now, for anybody that spends any time on the water, and you know how much shit's floating around out there, that would yes. just be an accident waiting to happen. And, you know, um, like I said, things are changing. The stuff that people are willing to put up with that float down the intercoastal every single day is absolutely incredible. All those people going to Boca Bash, okay, how many of them you think got upset? Because what they were swimming in was plastic and nastiness that was getting all through the intercoastal. Because we drove from Lighthouse Point to Shooters that night. And the amount of trash and nastiness that was in the water was insane. And yeah. the Sun Sentinel wanted to cover Boca Bash. But did they want to cover all the pollution that they were freaking swimming in? No. Nobody says a thing. And I guess you get what you settle for. And people... Or just perfectly fine with swimming in that crap. Well, when you're going 60 miles an hour home down the ditch, you probably don't see it. They see right? it, dude. They were swimming in it. They spent the whole day in it. They went to it in it, and they came home in it. They saw it. They're just willing to accept it. They're willing to settle well, for that trash. When you've had enough rum drinks, you'll, you'll, you'll swim in anything. I was just kind of talking about that, right? <laughs> it's freaking people at the sandbar. It all comes back to freaking pissing in the water. It's like a new yeah. thing. Well, tide's in coming in. Tide's coming in. So it's going downstream. It's it's going downstream to the second group of boats rafted up. It's not even hanging near you. It's fine. All right. So during your guided trips, okay. I'm going to give you a little one-liner that I say in a lot of my guided trips. and Probably the clients know that I say it all the time, but I say it all the time anyway. So when they have to take a leak and they're going to, you know, take a leak off the side of the boat, I say, let me turn the friggin' boat for you. A whole new meaning to pissing in the wind. <laughs> anyway, Timmy, started off with a joke. We'll end with a joke. Good talking with you. Thanks for being on the Real Guy podcast. Um, Jeff, thanks a million. I uh, appreciate being here. And uh, catch them up, man. Keep putting people on those on those huge fish like you've been doing. The bite's been good. Bite's been good. Tarpon season's been good. The customers are back around. There's a lot to be grateful for. And um, there's a lot to be pissed off at. So, Well, if anyone's going to be mad at something, you'll find it. I'll figure it out. Anyway, Timmy, thanks for being on the Real Guy Podcast and run that dog. Run that dog, Jeff. Take care. Almost pivoted. Um, you know, I had uh, I had someone book me. I don't know, three weeks ago, a month ago, and uh, he calls me 
like three or four hours before the trip's going to start. And he says, hey, by the way, how big is your head on the boat? I'm bringing my wife. <laughs> and I said, well, it's the size and shape of a five-gallon bucket with a towel wrapped around her midsection. Why do you ask? And uh, he said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You don't have a head on the boat? I said, sir, I, I, I told you my boat is 21 feet. And... I do not have a head on board. There's no room for it. And he said, oh, I thought you had a cabin cruiser. I said, how many 21-foot cabin cruisers have you been on? So he he canceled. <laughs> he, thought I, he thought I had a head on board. That's yeah. fun. I mean, amazing. You have to talk to Egret about that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> I, want, I, want a head, I want a head forward. You know, if you got a Hell's Bay, they got heads on those boats. No, not even a little. They got bit. Yeah, they got big heads on those boats. <laughs> a head ain't the same as an ego, but um, did you that, see? Did you see the guy on Facebook that got all upset that I I, I acted like Maverick, Egret, and um, Hell's Bay guys were elites? What do you mean acted? He got so the guy got so pissed off. Why? Because he wasn't one of them. I don't know. He was telling me I should be more like Hell's Bay and support cabins for clean waters and all this stuff. <laughs> I told him, go, dude, it's a joke. All my buddies have eager Hell's Bays and Mavericks. Absolutely. And by the way, that doesn't make you wrong. It doesn't make you wrong. And geez, talk about getting pissed off. For nothing. So, so, so do you mean to tell me that dudes that buy an egret or a hell's bay want to just be one of the common folk <laughs> just so trying to fit in so is a so is a hell's bay the new carolina skiff i mean of course they're doing it to be elite mm. who, who are they kidding <laughs> right you know what i mean one day timmy one day i'll be like know, them well you know, as long as I don't see any ugly sticks on board, I'll be happy for you. So, so if I finally do get the Hell's Bay, I can't load it up with freaking ugly stick tigers. That 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 now you're pulling off a bandaid on my scab. Uh, you're pulling my scab off when you start talking about ugly sticks. Jesus H. Christ, dude! You told me you use a TFO. Isn't that the ugly stick of a fly rod? No, TFO is the gentleman of fly rods. That is the uh, of the people, by the people, for the people of fly rods. You know what? It's the Goldilocks of fly rods. Not too big, not too small, just right. And yeah, they're affordable. <laughs> and yeah, they're like the ugly stick. Yeah, and they're and they're like the ugly stick.